from the All Indiana Podcast Network. This is Who's Got Next? Who's Got Next with Wish TV's Charlie Clifford. Now, here's Charlie Clifford. We are live one Sunday down, 16 still on tap. That is delicious. Charlie Clifford inside the All Indiana Podcast Network studio. Who's Got Next? Presented by BetRivers.com. On this episode, we rifle through the drama of week one with NBC Sports gambling analyst Sam Panianovich. Sam returning to Who's Got Next. If you recall, Sam joined for the preview of the match back in the spring. Tiger and Peyton defeating Phil and Tom. He's all over everything in the world of gambling. Great grassroots story. Chicago guy through and through, Chicago radio junkie, moved out to Vegas, really got inside the sports gambling scene at the right time. Now he's back home in Chicago working for NBC Sports National, and he is a great follow on Twitter outside of the gambling world as well if you aren't into that deal. But thrilled to have Sam Pan back. We will dissect what happened on Sunday, and it was an interesting week one from across the board How can we take what we learned yesterday and potentially turn it into some cash for week two? Sam will lead that advice. I know we're already sick of the Brady Bucks coverage. Tampa gets worked by Breeze and the Saints. Guess what? We're going to talk about all the other games too. Unlike some other places, you may try to catch your NFL insight. In my opinion, there are much better stories to spend time on than just Brady in a New Jersey. How about Ron Rivera? Taking an IV at half, Washington down 17-0, a seven-point dog, storming back for their coach who's battling cancer. That post-game locker room scene, man, something else. Lamar laughing his way past Baker and the Browns. Adam Gase as good as gone in New York. Shootout with Teddy and Derek Carr. Billiam smooth sailing alongside Cam. The Pats Revenge Tour officially off the runway. I hate saying that, but it's true. These stories, plus the other monster upsets of week one, Minshew Mania, Jimmy G down by Kyler in the cards. Sam Pan is moments away. On a side note, we had a blast in Jacksonville with our Wish TV team, providing you Colts coverage all night Saturday, full pregame essentially from 10 a.m. to noon. We did Facebook Live the first hour, live on TV the second hour, plus postgame from really 4 to 6.30, and then again from 10 to 11.30. AC had his chat with all-pro linebacker Darius Leonard in studio. That was the highlight for me of Sports Locker. Throw in Zach Kiefer, one of the best NFL writers anywhere, and Marlon Jackson, a new addition alongside Ken Dilger to our pregame and postgame coverage. Marlon Jackson, the Colt with the biggest play in franchise history. It's just a lineup. We're so proud to bring you, especially during this insane trying season where I know 95% of you are bummed you're going to be stuck at home. But, hey, you're with your loved ones, cheering on the team you love. And hopefully there's a result that is the opposite of what we saw Sunday, a shocking loss to a rebuilding Jags team. Gardner Minshew, 19 of 20, made no mistakes. The Colts made the mental errors. Jacksonville hung around. And ultimately, Phillip Rivers late, a couple drops by T.Y. Hilton. He said, this one's on me. That's the four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. His words, not mine. Uh, I thought Phillip was good enough to win that game. Unfortunately, the two interceptions, they're in that category of, it looked like you forced it there. When the ball left your hands, I don't know what you saw. But, hey, the other 364 yards through the air looked pretty darn good. It was an interesting scene in Jacksonville, the lone NFL stadium on Sunday to host fans. There was no temperature checks of any kind once you walked in if you were a fan. Media and staffers did get tested. Masks on at all times, that was the rule. They were threatening ejection if you refused that. I didn't hear any stories of that being an issue. The seats were distanced. Six feet of space between you and anyone who didn't come with your traveling party to the game. Crowd made a little noise. It looked like a preseason, you know, second-half crowd. Uh, granted, Jacksonville, never a full house, at least that I've seen. Did it have an impact on the game? There's no way you could say that that was the reason the Colts came up short late in the fourth quarter. Is it safe for fans to be at stadiums? I don't know. 
I can't tell you. I'm not advising anyone to go to a stadium right now. The Colts are going to have 2,500 fans for the home opener this coming Sunday against Minnesota. There are some complaints locally. We have a soccer team, professional franchise here, uh, the Indy 11. They're hosting about 5,000 is what they've capped things on. So the NFL comes to town, you're cutting that in half. Where's the math there? We shall see. Hopefully that number grows as the season goes on. How fun would it be if a playoff run comes around, a vaccine comes around, we get through election day. I think everyone would be on board with that. For now, there are stories to tell, and the only question I have for you is who's got next. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sam Pan is back. He was a little tardy. I was a little tardy calling him because, Sam, you can't see it. We're just doing audio for this one. But right as I hit call, I reached to get my pen out of my pocket to jot down some of your great insights and advice for week two and it just exploded all over me i'm covered in blue ink are you really is that serious yes i i taped the intro i was waiting for you to jump on here and now i'm doing this with two almost covered blue hands so well that could work one of two ways i mean you could be owed some karma or this could go completely off the rails i mean i'm a gambling man (laughs) I happen to like your chances. Um, I think if you just avoid, as long as you're not wearing like white pants and you don't have to rub it on the white pants, I think you'll be fine. And I think we can maybe still find some winners. Pants are black. Uh, odds that the next person walks in here and looks over the keyboard and the decks like was the blue man group in here. That That's probably very good odds uh, next, but we'll, we'll let them figure that out. What's going on, man. Since we talked last, I said in the intro, I had Jan previewing the match. That was hysterical and really insightful if you ended up throwing down some cash on the Tiger, Peyton versus Brady and Phil deal. Uh, You have a new title next to your name. Tell us about it. Sure. So I work for NBC Sports now, uh, the group, and uh, we do work with Roto World as well. So betting analysts for the NBC family, which is really cool. Um, Obviously, sports betting is exploding. NBC just signed a gambling deal, too. Uh, with a company called PointsBat to be their official sports book. So it's all on the up and up. So I technically work for the Peacock now um, after about six months of being a free agent during a pandemic. So I like this life just a little bit more <laughs> yeah. uh, than the last six months. Man, we're pumped. I, You know I love you, and um, I can just hear in your voice, man. You're rejuvenated, and gosh, if you're ever going to sit out for something, I know you, you could have jumped in wherever you wanted, at least locally, but – I know you were holding out for something big, and I think this is it, no? I think it is. I'm certainly busy enough. I also brought the podcast back, Chicken Dinner, that I do um, every day, Monday through Friday, for like 30, 35 minutes. Just general gambling. It's a gambling podcast for everybody. You know, it's not for sharp guys, wise guys, and also not for squares. I think it's sort of for everybody. It's sort of entertainment inside the uh, sports betting space, and I enjoy doing it. And, uh, it's good to get back to work, though. I will tell you one thing, though. I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of ticked off because Uh-oh. I entered a survivor pool this year in Vegas. You're and, out. Um, You're out. I we know. picked the Colts oh, in the survivor no. pool. I'm not kidding. I don't know. I, I still don't know what happened. I almost feel like I want somebody to like hit me over the back of the head with a hammer and like wake me up out of this nightmare. But I don't know what happened. I'm still trying to figure out how they didn't win that game. 
445 yards of total offense, no punts, and a loss to a rebuilding team with, I think, the average NFL fan outside of Minshew, you can't name one other player on the Jags, and I don't think it's really that close. And they also had a lot of their good players, you know, on the injured list. I saw, didn't they rule out D.D. Westbrook, like, yes. day of the game or day yep. before the game? And I'm looking at their depth chart. And, you know, to me, my life now is picking against spread and picking, you know, the total or finding, like, an exotic prop. Who's going to score the first touchdown? Who's going to sure. do this? Who's going to do that? So, you know, to me, picking, picking the winner of an NFL game um, should be simple. Um, but but this is again the NFL where you know any given Sunday anything can happen. I, the handicap for me was simple. Jacksonville's not trying to win; they want first overall pick this year, <laughs> right. don't they? To draft Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. I thought that was the plan. I thought everybody knew that was the plan. <laughs> but I'm going to spin it this way: the Jaguars were so bad that they actually, while trying to lose this season, went into the first game and won the first game. So I, I think that's maybe what happened. Minshew was really accurate. We knew that was the case. Yeah, one incompletion. Uh, was it with Mike Leach? I mean, he was mm-hmm. always going to be good at, you know, short to mid throws. Um, he was 19 of 20 against the Colts. And, I <laughs> you know, a lot of things had to go wrong to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They might only win one more game this year. Um, I mean, that's still a bad football team. I think they're going to go 2-14, and 14, maybe 3-13. and 13. But, hey, a win is a win and a loss is a loss. You know, it doesn't matter how you get there. It's what happens at the end. Sam, you sound like every single voice in talk radio in this city today. It was a shocking, embarrassing deal. The Colts have been terrible during week one for whatever reason. Seven straight losses, 10 of 11. They've been terrible in Jacksonville, which is unfathomable. They now haven't won there since 2014. It was a joke considering – what you saw in the first drive, seven plays. It took two minutes and like 55 seconds of real time for Phillip Rivers open his Colts era with a touchdown, high fives, fired up Phillip. Second drive, same deal. Got to the four-yard line, got stuffed on fourth and one. Okay, took a little gamble, no big deal. And really a turnover from him, a forced ball to T.Y. Hilton, totally flips the game. Minshew, as you said, one incompletion all day. The Colts, the big gripe right now locally is, and it's not going to go away anytime soon, is you're sitting in this zone defense, and this is a reoccurring theme of quarterbacks going, you know, 23 of 25, 27 of 31. It's just too easy in terms of the accuracy. And, yeah, I mean, just – having the Colts walk off the field in front of what was probably 10,000, 12,000 people yesterday. You couldn't have written a more bizarre start to the Rivers era. And I think a ton of people are wiped out in these survivor pools because I think outside of maybe, maybe the Eagles over Washington, I think who was the biggest dog that lost? Was it, uh, or that one? It was the cards over the 49ers, no? Yeah, money line dog. Biggest money line dog was the Cardinals. Um, biggest money line dog of the entire day was the Cleveland Browns, and that went south real quick. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, they didn't fine. really have a chance in that game. Uh, Cardinals were the second biggest dog on the board, plus two eighty, so one hundred one two eighty. Nice. Jaguars were third biggest dog, plus two sixty. They come through. Dolphins were plus two forty, and then football team was plus two twenty. Football and they team. Upset the Eagles. So. Um, a lot of survivor picks certainly busted. Um, you know, three of the biggest five favorites on the board went down. It's insane. Uh, 49ers, Colts, and the Eagles. But I will say this, and let me, you know, speak some sense into your audience here uh, because they're new to Philip Rivers, <laughs> most of them, and yes. they look at the standings and see all in one. The thing with Philip Rivers, though, is this is what he does. They always are close on both sides of the accordion. Like, they're always in games against bad teams that they should put away, Philip Rivers-led teams. But then they'll be like a ten point dog on Monday night and they'll win that game. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna, you know, forecast right now because I'd like to see Reich's team get into form. I think it's still a little janky. It's week one in a pandemic, but I mean you're looking at the schedule like they could go into Pittsburgh this year and win, you know, Sunday, December twenty seventh. I mean I they could go in into one. Houston December sixth and win. Uh, they're gonna play the Ravens on November eighth. Baltimore's gonna be favored in that game, even though it's in Indy. 
they're going to win games that they shouldn't win, but they're also going to lose games they shouldn't lose. And that's just life with Phillip Rivers. That's how it's always been. And I think it's going to be fun. I think, uh, look, 27 first downs. He threw for over 360. Yes, the two picks were forced. Um, but I think there was a lot of good there, too. He had an incredible play to Paris Campbell that really isn't getting talked about because ultimately you're just talking about the two picks. He wasn't as bad as, you know, the result looked. Of course, he wasn't as good as the stat line looked either. As you said, it's going to be a roller coaster. Folks in L.A., folks in San Diego, they know it well. And ultimately, it's better than what we had last year, which was just downright boring, depressing season with luck walking away. Let's get to the other action in week one, Sammy. What stood out? Everyone, it just annoyed me. We're flying back from Jacksonville, and forty the first 45 minutes of coverage was on Brady ultimately getting blown out in his debut, essentially, in the Big Easy. I really don't even want to touch on that game because I know people are already sick about hearing just the fact that Tom Brady has a different jersey on. The best story for me is Ron Rivera in Washington. What the heck happened there? Good coach. He's a good coach. It's amazing what a good coach can do. Um, you know, he's got those guys playing good ball defensively. They were, you know, very impressive uh, to hold the Eagles in no points in the third and fourth quarter. Um, Carson Wentz, just, you know, he's been through a lot. I don't think he's the player that they thought he was going to be, and that's because of the injuries. It is what it is. But he was 24 of 42. Not a great game. Um, it's just Ron Rivera, even when he was in Chicago, you know, let's forget about the success that he had in Carolina when they were pretty much a contender every single year because of his defenses. You know, when he was in Chicago, think about those defenses he was a part of. You know, oh, 2001, I think it was 2001, yeah. 2, 3, 4, and maybe 5. I don't think he was on the Super Bowl team that lost to the Colts, but, I mean, they were always good defensively, and that's Ron Rivera football, you know. Give the defense a chance. Let him win the game at the line of scrimmage, and the offense has to do enough, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Washington, 27-17, and also, how about the resiliency in that game? Because you go down 17. I think they were down 17 to nothing. They were. And then they just scored 27 unanswered. When's the last time Washington did that? <laughs> I, I would love to see, um, yeah. It, it's a great story. I agree. I don't want to talk about Tom Brady either. I actually thought he was pretty bad yesterday, too. Um, the one pick that he threw the ball to Mike Evans was just – that was an awful throw. Oh. It just – the pick it looks six like it's, was also you know, it's over for him as far as being an MVP caliber quarterback. Now they can win some games and stuff, but I can tell you a lot of sharp betters bet on New Orleans. They laid the money line. They laid the three and a half, yep. four points. And it was a pretty uh, simple bet. I think the thing I took away from the most, because here in Chicago, for some reason at 12 o'clock noon, we could only watch one game if you have cable. So what? we had two TVs and I had to watch Bears Lions on both. And that sucked because I had to watch Mitch Trubisky for three quarters, which was painful and then i had to watch matt patricia blow a 23 to 6 lead how do you lose that football game like and this was supposed to be a team that was supposed to be a sleeper they were supposed to be an nfc oh, north come on. sleeper maybe they Sam. were gonna make some noise in the conference i mean this is what people were saying on multiple I, networks i know you weren't and taking that guy that. blows you a 23 to 6 lead against mitch trubisky matt patricia is now 9 23 and 1 in the nfl as a head coach and I've seen people get fired for a lot worse. I was going to say that was dreadful. Unfortunately, that record, there aren't going to be too many more games tacked onto that thing. I, I think that road ends this year for Patricia. Why are we putting it on him? I saw Stafford, the brutal pick on third and six to put Mitch in position a, and then the rookie drops the game winning touchdown ball. I'm putting that in the Lions' offense. No, how bad were look, they late? You, look, look, you win and you lose as a team. You know, it's not oh, one God. play in any football game. But I I've think never heard that. Here one. was where the game swung, and we we're watching it. There's like six, seven of us watching this game at once, and it was twenty-three to thirteen. There were okay? no, there I were no beers in that fourth room. Quarter, there were no beers in and that room. And it's fourth and I don't know, fourth and five. Lions have it at the Bears thirty-eight. I'm thinking to myself, okay, here's what you got to do: you punt the ball inside the ten and make Mitch Trubisky go ninety yards. What does Matt Patricia do with a ten-point lead? He tries to kick a field goal to go up 13, which still doesn't protect you from two touchdowns. No. So it's irrelevant. Being up 10 and being up 13 is like the same thing. Like the Bears need two touchdowns to win the game. They kick the field goal, and they miss it, which gives Trubisky and the Bears the ball back right around midfield. They go down, boom, they score, and then and they win the game. That was an idiotic <laughs> inability to manage a football game. 
Like, he didn't have to do that in New England, Charlie, because he had Bill Belichick. Yeah. Now he has to do in the fourth quarter, it's Matt Patricia's game plan. And whatever the Lions do is reflective of what he wants to do. Kicking that field goal, lost that game. Tell me otherwise. Yeah, Bill was using the Ticonderogas to do the math up there. And fortunately, uh, I'm with you there. I didn't catch that that portion of the deal. That that checks out mathematically on my end. Um, Ravens briefly disposing of Baker. Baker was another just average line. Baltimore, first team to win three straight week one games by 30-plus points. John Harbaugh knows how to get out of the gate, Sam. He's an incredible coach. And there's a theme here. Talk about Ron Rivera, really good coach. John Harbaugh, even better coach. I mean, Harbaugh, for all the talk about, you know, Belichick deserves all the talk he gets. But, you know, like Sean McVay got a lot of love. Doug Peterson for a while. Like, John Harbaugh has quietly, like, for the last, you know, 10 years or so, they've More been contenders 10. in that division pretty much every season. I think there was one year when Flacco got hurt and they had to go to the backup, and it just wasn't a good season in Baltimore, but they're perennially involved. Last three years, first, first, first. Uh, two years before that, second place, second place. Uh, worst season they had was 2015 when they went 5-11, and 11, and that was the year Flacco went down. I mean, Harbaugh's been there as the head coach 13 years. For, for a long time. 13 years. I mean, he years. got there in 2008. 11 wins, 12 wins, 12 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins, 14 wins. There's a pattern here. Um, and they develop their talent, too. That organization does a great job of drafting good players but also developing them. Yes. It's one thing to draft a good player. If they don't get better year after year, it doesn't matter. They develop so well. And Lamar Jackson, remember, he can't throw, can't hit an open target. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, I think we're all settling in for year two of the Jack Show. Sammy, one year under five hundred for Harbaugh in Baltimore. It's incredible. You're right. He's not listed among the upper echelon of top head coaches enough. That guy, uh, I don't know if it's just being in Jim's shadow a little bit just because of Jim's persona, but my God, the guy has a program down there. Uh, Bills, Jets, Jets still stink. My cousin group chat was blowing up all afternoon. I was trying to focus on the Colts game. They're already, they're already jumping off bridges. Uh, Josh Allen, nice line there. And is Buffalo – legit in terms of taking on new england where do the afc east odds stand right now in terms of playing out towards that division title sam well before the season the bills were the favorite um to win the division the bills were about plus 110 and the patriots were plus 135 and i wrote this up on nbc wrote wrote i was like look i'm sorry i'm not gonna bet against belichick especially when i get plus money because yeah. i mean the last decade uh, before the season Brady and Belichick together were minus 300 to win the division minus 400 so it just we'll never sort of see it stared again. me in the face I'm like alright well I think this is probably a decent bet because I know they're <laughs> going to be well coached and they'll probably be in enough of these games um, but the current check on the odds AFC East they've got the Bills plus 100 and the Patriots plus 110 so pretty much the same team you know as far as price like they're both like coin flips to win so what the odds makers are saying right now is that flip a coin put the bills on one side of the coin put the patriots on the other flip it up in the air and that's the realistic probability for both teams uh dolphins 14 to 1 jets 15 to 1 you could give me the jets at 15 million to 1 i wouldn't bet it with your money um off of I, that off of that i don't know what yeah go ahead coach most likely to get canned first where do the odds sit with that if I, i'm just firing stuff at you here is Gase the most likely to go first? Is Patricia the most likely to go first? Where where do things stand in that regard? I didn't see one of those lists. I'm going to rip through this real quick to yeah. see if I find something online. But I, I know that these are not – like, these are offshore bets. So, like, an American sportsbook usually doesn't offer stuff like that. Um, I would imagine the two that you named are right up there on the list. If I had to make a list, I'd probably put um, Adam Gase first. Yeah. I just don't – I don't understand. I don't understand it. I didn't understand <laughs> it in Miami, and I don't understand it in New York or New Jersey or wherever they play. Um, Patricia's up they, there. They play on the moon. And I wonder – I wonder you know, if Dan like – you think Dan Quinn? If, yes. If they yes. go 4-12 and 12 this yeah. year, um, is enough enough for Dan Quinn? Yeah. I, what, I mean, what more do you have to see out of Dan Quinn? He just perennially holds them back. I think he takes away from their wins 
where, you know, Belichick obviously adds wins. Dan Quinn takes away. And then, you know, I think the first guy to go, which won't happen because he's like, he has total control there, is Bill O'Brien. I mean, I I know we've been through a lot as a nation (laughs) and as, you know, human beings and all that. Like, a lot of people actually forgot during the pandemic that Bill O'Brien is an idiot. Like, a lot of people forgot that. Um, they go down 24 to seven against Mahomes and the Chiefs. And it's like, all right, you know, like everybody, like my grandma's like, they should throw the ball 24 <laughs> seven and hey. he's handing it off. Hey. And it's just, it, it makes no sense, but he's got control there. He's like the GM or the vice president or something. So he's not going anywhere. Yeah. I guess probably Gase and Patricia would be my favorites. Yeah. He's the czar. I'm with you. Hey, you got to make. You got to make do with the trade you made, okay? We're giving it to David Johnson 30 times, and, you know, we'll see if we can pull it out. Uh, No comment on O'Brien more than that. Let's wrap the East. Belichick, Cam, Joshy boy, 21 points, beat the Dolphins by 10. Uh, I assume they covered. I assume that was like a – what was that line heading in? And any thoughts on seeing Cam and the potential there? I know you already said – it's a coin flip between them and the Bills, but legitimate AFC contention, or is this going to be, you know, a 10-win team that ultimately bows out when they run into the Baltimores, the Chiefs of the world in the AFC? Yeah, I don't think they have the firepower on offense to hang with the big boys. Um, that's for sure. I mean, Cam's not really working with a lot as far as receiving threats. You know, Edelman is now double-teamed. And they've got a rookie, Nikhil Harry, who I like out of Arizona State, but I mean, they don't really have a lot of weapons down the field. And they're going to have to win if they face the Colts. I'm sorry, the uh, Chiefs or the no, uh, put the Col- Ravens, put the Colts back in there. We want to hear. Go, we want to hear the Colts seven nothing, ten yeah. nothing, and just run the ball and then you know rely on them. maybe you like smack them in the mouth first. But they're not going to. Patriots in the playoffs aren't going to score thirty points a game. Um, I do think too, Charlie. Uh, Minnesota didn't cover this game, but I. Or, um, sorry, Milwaukee didn't cover this game. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions, and they only lost by 10. I feel like that could have been a whole lot worse. And, you know, Brian Flores, I do think that that team is going to be pretty good going into the next couple of years. Like, they're going to draft well. they got a lot of draft picks. Eventually, they're going to hand the baton to Tua, maybe like four, five, six games in. Uh, Miami got a lot better in the offseason. It may not show in the standings this year, but I like Brian Flores a whole lot. Defensively, they're a couple pieces away. They got Kyle Van Noy from New England in the offseason. I think they're a couple players away on defense from being a top 10 defense in the league. It's coming there. It might not be this year, uh, but that team is coming. Only one direction to go. As you said, most important thing, ton of picks and the two experiment will begin. That'll make it much more fun. I, you know, as much as we love Fitzy, uh, it's amazing that he's still opening week starter. That's that's that that's incredible considering uh the trajectory of his career it's been a fun story though Packers Rodgers fired up early they kind of let off the gas late 43-34 it was never that close four touchdown game most points ever from Green Bay in an opener Devontae Adams 14 catches Green Bay scores on seven to ten drives I know you were stuck watching Bears Lions due to the uh the Fox regional stuff but how about a statement from the old guy after having to deal with all the love talk? I don't know if he could have thrown a, a a better bomb deep in week one, no? I could not believe that throw. That was – I don't think it was as good as the throw to Jared Cook against the Cowboys in Dallas oh, in the playoffs. I, yeah, I was covering that. I don't, think it was, was nuts. I don't think it was that good, and obviously there's more pressure in that situation because it's the playoffs. That was – I mean, one of the, that was one of the best throws I've ever seen, uh, the throw against the Cowboys. This throw, though, was, <laughs> I mean, like, nobody else can do that. Like, well, Mahomes, Mahomes can do it, I guess. Yeah. But, man, it, it's amazing, too, that Matt LaFleur, I didn't know this. I tweeted this out last night. Matt LaFleur is 7-0 and in the division, which I don't <laughs> I don't think anybody knew that going no. into this game, that he, he was 6 except for maybe Packer fans. I had no idea. So they win again. They scored 40 points on the Vikings, who were a top-five defense two years ago. Um it's like everybody this year was like, ah, the Packers, just they're not, not what they used to be. Aaron Rodgers ain't that good. And he's like, you know, knock, knock. What's up? Hey, I'm hey. here. Uh, <laughs> 14 catches for Devontae Adams. Um, nice that's, That was impressive. If he plays that well all year, I mean, 
his MVP odds went from, I think they were 30 to 1. Now I saw like 15 to 1 this morning. So his odds have already been cut in half <laughs> to win the MVP. I think the, the two most impressive players this week were Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Those two were incredible. I didn't catch really anything from the Atlanta Seahawks game. We touched on Quinn and how the the, the slide just continues in Atlanta. I, I, there's no hope there as of now. Uh, Seattle with Pete and the Magic. Can they stir it back up now that Jamal Adams is in the mix? Bring us out west and what the scene is in terms of odds out west and takeaways from week one. Seahawks win big. Niners upset. You have the Rams hang on late against the Cowboys thanks to a uh, offensive pass interference call that really Im- impacted what probably would have been an overtime game on Sunday Night Football. Where do things sit out west? Because to me, that's the most interesting division. I think it's the best division, too, from top to bottom. And aside from some you know west-on-west crime, every team won. You know, Seattle wins, the Rams win, beat the Cowboys. Yeah. And, of course, 49ers lose to the Cardinals. But also San Francisco – uh, was playing without their top two wideouts. They were both hurt, and George Kittle had to leave the game with an injury. Now he came back, but, um, you know, that's going to be a war. Uh, the odds in that division, NFC West right now, uh, looks like the Niners are still a slight favorite. I think a lot of that is based on liability, though, too, because people think the Niners are good. They, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year, so there's some perception into that number and some wagered money into that number as well. Um but San Francisco plus 180, Seattle plus 195, Rams about 3-1, to one, and then the Cardinals plus 450. Hmm. So that's the pecking order. Um, I did notice, though, that Seattle went down quite a bit in the futures. Um, Seattle was like a 25-1 to one team to win it all, and I saw one book this morning had 14-1. to one. Wow. So, yeah, so somebody somewhere, you know, saw enough yesterday, and I think – you know, it was hard to read between the lines because we didn't have preseason. We didn't have any repetition. We didn't really know what to expect with some of these teams. And what I was told was that the Seahawks were going to play faster and they were going to throw more early in the game because they were tired of going down and eating the bail-on uh, bail performance from Russ. Like, you know, they're down 14-3 to and he's got to run around and make video game plays or yeah. alley plays in the backyard. They got ahead early, and they stayed ahead. You know, you go 14 nothing; it's a lot easier than going down 14-3. to So I think them being more aggressive and using more misdirection in that offense, they were sending guys left and right. They were going all over the place. They got ahead early, and then they just relied on their defense to, to kind of smooth it, out, uh, smooth it out at the end. They feel like Baltimore, in a sense, to me, just because Carroll's run such a good shop up there for so long, it just feels like that story isn't finished yet to me. They're going to have a second wind, and maybe this is it with Russ, as you said. Hey, let's let's get on the gas early and then lean on hopefully a revamped defense with names that obviously are much different than when the Shermans, and I know Wagner's still around, but uh, that that Legion of Boom defense, you know, much more of a balanced attack. Uh, I have Kyler Murray in fantasy. I don't know – another quarterback who may run for more yards and, and throw for more yards, 230 through the air, almost 100 on the ground. Is he the best dual-threat guy right now outside of Lamar? Yeah, he's really good. He's exciting. I mean, the only issue that you you know run with with a quarterback like that is you just hope they stay healthy. Yeah. You know, he's a little guy, number one. And uh, number two, you know, he's going to take a lot of hits and he's going to be running football for 100 yards a game. You know, he's not – you know, he's elusive, and he got out of bounds quite a bit. There's going to be a couple plays where he's going to get cracked. And, you know, some of those might be on passing plays. Some might be on running plays. Some might be on the, you know, creative plays. Uh, a lot like Russ, where you get outside the pocket, and you're motoring a field. You don't see the safety. You just get, you know, your clock cleaned. Um, I hope he stays healthy. He's young. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. Um, but that's a team that's still learning kind of how to come together. You know, you just add DeAndre Hopkins into the fold. Um, you got to keep everybody happy, um, but they're certainly fun. Cliff calls a good game, a fun game to shake it up. Yeah, um, that's a good fantasy player. I would think he'd be top five, top seven in points. I want to actually ask you a question because somebody asked me a question last night, and yeah. I, I was like, well, it's too early to tell. And he's like, come on. He asked, like, who do you like to go to the Super Bowl? And I said, look, man, I've only seen one week. <laughs> and he said, I don't care. Who do you like? So 
if somebody asks you that question after one week of NFL, don't overreact too much. Who would you put in the Super Bowl? Which two teams? Oh God. Well, I don't think we need to see anyone who's really playing tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh of the final four to kick off here. Definitely with the most potential, but Ben, I just don't see him holding up. And this is the Sam agree with me here. Uh, the biggest day in the sports calendar year for overreactions. Like there's no bigger day than today. Right. In terms of like the world is falling or we're, we're actually going to the Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I'm going, uh, if I would chalk it, I would say Saints Ravens. Oh, you're going Chiefs Ravens. No, Saints Ravens. I mean, I'm going to go Saints, oh, Ravens. Saints Ravens. Yeah. Saints Ravens. I don't okay, think. Sorry. I thought you yeah. were saying one of the two. No, um, obviously KC is I the best probably, team. I just, I just I don't Chiefs think. Chiefs and yeah. Seahawks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are, if you took those four, that would be a great pair of conference finals there, no? I think, honestly, and it, it sounds so simple to do, you need to just pick four good quarterbacks. Um, that's usually, when you look up on championship weekend, usually three of the four quarterbacks are elite. And maybe a team gets in with a good defense, you know, or they have a great defense and they run the football or whatever. But, I mean, usually when you look up AFC, NFC championship weekend, it's a team with a good quarterback. I mean, for years it was Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger in the AFC. Um, you know, Rodgers was, was in the final four quite a bit. You know, you Matt Ryan when he was playing well. Russell Wilson. So, I mean, you're looking at a list of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. I don't know Jimmy G's elite. But, yeah, I mean, of four quarterbacks, I think that's probably the list right now of guys I'd want in a playoff game. I'll tell you what. I'll take three of the four and then whatever team Blake Bortles signs with. And then we're, we got our four. How about Bortles or the Colts? <laughs> No, absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, although his, his stat line against the Colts, if you multiply that by 16 games a year, he's like a first ballot Canton guy without a, his line against the Colts is insane. And everyone around here is unfortunately too familiar with that. Uh, dude, let's get out of here on this. A couple more to get to. First of all, SoFi Stadium, the new setup uh, out in L.A., did you notice that when you walk in the turnstile, you're at like the 600 level and you just go down and down and down and down the better your seats get? It looked like to me that entire stadium is essentially underground. I did not catch that. Um, oh, so not going to cool. lie. I was not paying attention to that. But yeah. that is actually pretty cool. I think uh, – I think my old man would have a problem with that. You know, he'd like it on the way down, but on the way back up, I think he might just stay there. I don't even know if I, he might just quit. You know, it's like uh, it's like Batman trying to climb out of the cave the Bane used to live in. Like, you're just not going to get out. I mean, like, imagine being, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old and, and being on the, on the field. You know, like, you got to walk all the way down, and then the end of the game, after setting up that, you got to climb all the way back out. That's, hopefully there's some elevators there. For the money they put in, I just assume there's continuous escalators and elevators wherever you would. There, there's probably no <laughs> stairs in the whole place. You just you just get on an escalator to go up and down. Uh, yeah, either way, keep an eye on that. It, it just looked so insane. And for the price tag, I guess that's what you get in 2020. Joe Burrow. You know what? Yeah. Hey, hey, you're. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but one of my favorite stories you you've done over the last five years is when you did. You did the Pokemon Go story. <laughs> oh my god! To me, that's still like let I, it die. I watch that like you know maybe once a year, and I like laugh so hard I'm crying because you're you're following people around during the Pokemon Go craze, and you know they're like they're not paying attention to anything. Like the one guy almost walked into a fountain, another guy almost got hit by a bus, you know, and you're just like trying to get these people's attention, and they're not like they don't even care. They don't even know you're there. <laughs> Um, imagine how many Pokemon you could find in the 600 level of Sophie Stadium. You had to, you had to dig it up from the grave. It's hilarious. It's like my my cult followers, and you're you're a very valued parishioner in this uh, this sick church that I'm operating. I will still hear random people like, "Oh yeah, it's the Pokemon Go guy." Like, how are how do you still remember that? That was 700 Dude, stories ago. It is. It, it's so. If you haven't seen it yet, like you think I'm kidding, Charlie? It is one of the funniest things I've seen, like on television. It, it like the reactions, like in your reactions too, when these people are like, you're just trying to like ask them questions, 
and you're re- you just deadpan to the camera and just like look at it. It's just your responses to their inability to respond. It's so good. I need to talk to our bosses here and and bring more bring more of that back. That was that was a ton of fun. That was back in good old Wisconsin. Uh, and thank you for the plug. It is still on YouTube if you want to get it, dude. Burrow watching his kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the right calf or the left calf? I I can feel for that kicker. I would do the same thing, you know. Pull, you pull the the easy chip shot. You got a little match with your buddies. You just got to get up and down, and you pull it into the trap, and you're just you know, you're immediately grabbing grabbing something on your body. Oh, there's there's something wrong. What the heck happened in the closing seconds in Cincinnati? And how do you think Joe woke up this morning and convinced himself that? You know, this isn't going to be the start of something miserable. I think, actually, he probably should have slept pretty well last night. Um, Let's not forget, too, before Randy Bullock missed that kick, Burrow threw an absolute laser dart to the corner of the end zone. And, you know, I thought A.J. Green, you know, I thought initially he was in. um, And I think they overturned the touchdown and said he had his foot on the line or something like that. But. I mean, that was that was a pro throw by a rookie quarterback in the fourth quarter with a game on the line. That that ball would have been like, I don't know, an inch to the left. We're talking about Joe Burrow winning his NFL debut. So, you know, I thought he played well. You know, obviously not easy going, going up against that front for the Chargers with Ingram and Bosa. I thought he was poised, and I thought his play elevated in the fourth quarter. And that's what you hope for when you draft a quarterback – Number one overall. Like, this guy can't be scared of the lights. Um, it's also not Arkansas or, you know, Tennessee or Kentucky. This is the NFL. You know, every team's got dudes. Yep. So, I thought he played well. I thought I thought he actually deserved to win the game. And I think he's confident enough and cool enough to kind of just move on and, and think about week two. Yeah, jokes aside, uh, I agree. He was money late and kind of like Miami. It just feels like there's one direction to go there. And as you said – when it gets late, those last couple weekends of the year, do you have the guy quarterback or do you not? And if you can get that part of the equation in Cincinnati, they're going to factor in with the Baltimores and the Steelers of the world probably a little quicker than we thought. Dude, I think we got to everything. Um, week two, I don't know how much are you into the lines so far. I saw the Colts open up locally here, a three-point favorite over that Zimmer defense that just got thrashed. Anything that stands out that people can keep an eye on for week two? Because I know folks are either already riding high, trying to double it for week two, or already trying to get out of a hole that they dug themselves into yesterday. Well, these lines were up before week one, and this is the best part about Vegas. You ask if I've looked at week two yet. I've already looked at week six. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready. Um, And a lot of these lines have moved, too. Like, for example, before Sunday, the Niners were a four-point favorite against the Jets. Well, guess what the line is today? Niners minus seven. I mean, you've been able to bet week two for a couple weeks now. Like, they threw up week one in May, and then they threw up week two a couple weeks ago. So, this gives you value if you can peg the right team accordingly. Like if you, you know, if you look to the week ahead rather than the week right in front of you, you can actually, you know, get a good team at a great price. Like yeah. the Steelers against the Broncos. Steelers were minus four. They haven't even played yet, and now they're minus seven. Um, you know, you look at a team like uh, the Giants and the Bears. Bears were like a three-point favorite against the Giants. Four-point favorite. Now it's six. Um, the Packers minus six now at home against the Lions. That line was a lot lower than six. Um, the biggest mover, your Buffalo Bills. Um, not that you're a Bills fan, but you talked how much you liked their offense earlier. Mm-hmm. Minus three to minus six. That's a three-point move, and that's after one game. So these numbers are fluid, um, and oddsmakers always react to you know what they've last seen. But they also have to react to what the public perception is. Like they might have to over inflate a line or overvalue a quarterback you know like because they have to they have to make a number that that satisfies all and that's that's the name of the game so these these lines are fluid um they put you know sportsbooks put up lines for the week ahead and then the games play on sunday and then all they do is just take them down and put them back up and a lot of the times those lines move quite a bit so buffalo kansas city and green bay have been like the biggest movers perceptionally in just one week of football Good. That's what I. That's what I want to take. Uh, some good. Some good 
showdowns here. New England, Seattle's your Monday nighter. Or sorry, that's your Sunday nighter. Uh, I like the Vegas Saints matchup and then sprinkle in Baltimore. Houston could be decent along with uh, a couple traditional AFC powers with, with Denver and the Steelers. So not a bad slate for week two. Yeah, not bad. And I will say uh, this looks like it's going to be a, uh, a Thursday night football for the ages. Um, I mean, <laughs> Bengals-Browns, nothing says Thursday night like Bengals-Browns in Ohio. Games in Cleveland. How and, did I watch uh, This is actually that? a big move right here. So uh, we do this on a Monday afternoon. This game is three days away, and already we've seen money on the Bengals. Uh, Cleveland opened up minus eight in this game, and uh, line has gone through seven. So they bet plus eight, they bet plus seven, and now it's Cleveland minus six. So um, that's not little old ladies with blue hair moving that money either. You know, that's <laughs> that's respected money to move from eight through seven to go to six. Uh, seven is the most key number in football. Um, yep. And to go from eight to six is a pretty decided move on the Cincinnati Bengals. So somebody somewhere believes in Joe Burrow and company. I saw an interesting nugget, and I'll get you out of here because we've gone over time. Number one picks, last 13 starts. Can you guess? This is quarterback specific. Week one, can you guess what that record is overall for the last 13 essentially number one picks in their NFL debut? 13 games, uh, I would say – I mean, I want to say 0-13, but I, I think somebody had to have won their debut. Uh, give me 2-11. and 11. You were warmer earlier. 0-12-1. Not good. So, grand scheme well, of things, Burrow, that's that's pretty much uh, – that, that's a top-tier debut in, compared to that number. Yeah, don't look at the scoreboard, Charlie. Watch the film, <laughs> damn it. I'm with you. I no, I got buddies in the uh, the front office over there scouting, and um, I know they're pumped. So you're right. How did I walk past that Thursday night game? That's gonna be that's gonna be a must see showdown. Uh, gosh, Baker. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know about those Browns. <laughs> hey. You're not the only one, brother. Yeah. At least at least you didn't lose on the Colts week one in Survivor like I did. Good night. R.I.P. in the uh, box. Week one, already dead. Trust me. Half my texts on the way home were like, hey, thanks for that advice yesterday on the Colts covering. Oh, whoops. Sorry about that. We'll get we'll get you next week. That was that Welcome, was Charlie. Life. Welcome to my life. You give one <laughs> bad pick out. It's okay. I, that happens to me every pick. I have to do it every single day. Welcome to my world. SP shoot on Twitter again, Roto world, NBC sports bet WGN radio. Of course, the host of chicken dinner. If you need him on a daily basis, Sam Panianovich, Chicago's finest. And uh, Sam, let's, let's do it again soon. I wouldn't mind making this a weekly thing, but I know I may have to put you on the payroll. So we'll, we'll see what we can work out. I do it for a shot. You know that <laughs> I uh, miss you, buddy. I'm, I'm happy for you. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm going to come clean. Diehard Cubs fan. Used to never miss an inning. I think I've watched five or six innings of Cubs baseball this year. It's just different. Marquee. I've heard great things. Sounds like they're off to an awesome start. Love Mike McCarthy. Love Mike Santini. They got the two right people steering that shift. It's going to be a great network long term. 
just been tricky to get into baseball for me. I don't know if I'm the only person out there in that boat, but yesterday, Alec Mills, seven, eight years in the minors, former 22nd round pick, traded from KC to the Cubs in this deal that no one outside of the probably team communication person and actually Theo Epstein can remember. Gets on the mound. He's been solid this year. Came in, I think, at four and three on the season. No hitter. Only five swings and misses all day in Milwaukee. The lowest total of any no hitter. And ultimately, he's mobbed by his teammates after a sharply hit ground ball back up the middle. Javi Baez positioned perfectly. Routine. Done. Another no-no for the Cubs. We've had a bunch here lately. Arietta back-to-back years, one in L.A., one in Cincinnati. Big Z up in Milwaukee for an interesting game. I believe a hurricane forced the Astros to host in Milwaukee. You know, turns into Wrigley North, whether it's the Brewers or somebody else. That's one of my favorite moments of all time in terms of Cub history. Big Z getting it done with a no-no up there. Now Alec Mills joins the mix in front of an empty stadium, some cardboard cutouts behind home plate. He's been fun. And as baseball shakes out, I'm getting razzed by all my White Sox buddies. Maloney, if you're tuning in, didn't realize they were in first place. Told him the other day I'm not worried about it. It's a little fluky. I didn't realize they were the best team in the American League as of today. Let's get a fun World Series. It's a goofy 60-game season. Cubs-Sox. Crosstown World Series. Let's go. You want some ratings, baseball? Make it happen. We don't want to see Dodgers raise or something bizarre. Let's let's get the Cubbies and the Sox matched up for the first time ever in the series. Another episode on the way later this week. We're going to try to bring Sam back. This was really fun today. I think to sprinkle in the gambling aspect along with just his fun insight on what went down killing two birds with one stone there i like that this has been the who's got next podcast presented by betrivers.com again coming to you live from the downtown all indiana podcast network studio please visit wishtv.com our social channels for the latest great stories coming out of the newsroom also subscribe rate and ultimately give us a listen for all these great podcasts coming organically from folks all across this awesome, talented building. It's a pleasure to be on board with the All Indiana Podcast Network. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk soon. Check out more podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Allindianapodcastnetwork.com.